I, you know how everybody kind of dunks on people who make the recipes and it's like five paragraphs before you get to the recipe. There was one I was reading last night where like the woman was like, oh, my son really likes this, but he was taking a nap when I made it. And I was like, oh, now we're getting into Brayden's nap time in this fucking recipe. Brayden. Like, come on. But Bryson was awake, so he had some of the soup, but not Brayden because he's a little sleepyhead. I was like, just give me the recipe. Like, just so angry. Have I ever told you that Brayden doesn't wear socks anymore? He's an interesting young fellow. <laughs> I could just tell you a whole podcast. We have a, ser- a podcast series about Brayden. About Brayden. Just Brayden's feet. Fine, here's the recipe. <laughs> no, I'm not doing soup. It's going to be 104. So I'm not doing that. I, I feel bad. 71. I Like I said earlier in Slack, I almost have to put socks on today because my feet are a little cold. Which must freak Joe out because I'm not wearing socks or shoes today. <laughs> As always, if I'm awake, I'm wearing both. I'm yeah. sheathed and ready to go. Save us, cat dead. <laughs> so I have some updates. Meow, meow, meow. <laughs> <laughs> so for cat those dad. who are listening, previous podcast uh, have heard the. On uh, the previous episode of Los Angeles Rams podcast. On LARP. Uh, that we turned in a cut for Cat Dad, where I'm only in it for like two seconds at the very end of this 30 second commercial. Don't cut yourself short. You've got a star, a starring turn as a cameo mm-hmm. among mm-hmm. among your many performances. This ranks right at the top, and it is the commercials named Cat Dad. So that's nice, and every, they're talking about me the entire time. So, anyways, we, we turn it in, turn it in, and the first note that they get, they give, is obviously. More cat dad. We're gonna like okay, you know, looking for more lines that I have. We could put some more more bits or whatever. And what I learn is, so I said like fifty things when we were filming it. It sometimes they were just like, oh, say this, say this, and you know, I'm wearing a cat suit up in a tree. So someone was like, oh, just say like, ah, oh, so hot. And I'm like, okay. And I said it in a way that it w- was like easy to edit in because I was like, so hot, like kind of with a T at the end. I'm like, oh, good, we want to use that. Is this cat dad or love Island? Right? So that I'm getting there, Robbo. So is Cat Dad a character on Love Island? <laughs> cat well, Dad. If you, <laughs> 42. If you Riverside. really get really off with the girls, then you got to go to the most romantic part of the island. Is that and what happens? Supposed- that you get the first come out in swimsuits and bikinis and whatnot, and then one guy comes out in a cat outfit? <laughs> yeah. The loser of the challenge this week is sent to the scratching post with Cat Dad. The scratching post <laughs> would definitely be the name of the restaurant bar that I would open as Cat Dad. <laughs> <laughs> all right continue so they they like this they like this cut so like oh well i'll just have them say oh it's so hot but the problem is somebody was like yeah but what if somebody takes it in another um another way and they make a meme out of it and it's like this guy in a cat outfit going so hot <laughs> <laughs> puts it in a different context and so they're like oh well i mean can we not do that like because because oftentimes execs kind of think of like how can we not get fired like not that it would ever go viral or anything but if it did then they would look like the assholes who didn't think ahead same thing in the publishing industry they always say edit like a pervert that way that way you can identify the stuff that could be troublesome depending on how people read it right so i think what we're going to do is we're going to cut away to like the title card at the end of the commercial and then i'll say oh it's so hot um which might not scratch that itch from you know enough cat dad so 
we'll see if they're like, nope, we need more. The internet just wants more cat dead, uh, man. We'll, see. we'll, we'll, we'll get, get you updated on the, on the next episode. I don't, I'm not really a cat guy. I Me don't either. like cats. So I hate cats. I'll go further. I hate I'm cats. coming from a weird place. Not a Chuck Billy fan, though. Chuck Billy's not a cat guy. That's, cat that's just an act. No, he's a no, cat he's guy. Not. He's picking up from work done and cat He's zero cat guy. But he's a he's as much of a cat guy as he is a hamburger guy. Right? That's probably just That's probably part of the game. You mean a CG? I said maybe it was a CGI cat. We'll never know. Never know. I'm at 3K underscore. Hi, everybody. I'm here with Robo Seattle Rams underscore NFL. Well, jerks, you know, you can find this incredible podcast on almost every platform and platform that is not available. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, CastBox, Overcast, Stitcher. Uh, what did we decide Box last maker? week? Uh, Jug. Jug <laughs> with two Gs. J-U-G-G. We're on Jug. We're on Ear, ear Scratcher. Uh-huh. Bot. Yep. We, we got uh, we got added oh, audio pick this week. That's right. Very good. Yeah. Yep, yep. You can find Los Angeles Rams podcast, a Los Angeles Rams podcast on all those platforms and more. So thank you, Robo. Joining us as always. Oh, oh yes. Oh, I also have some other news. There's a second BTH podcast coming out. There is. Named. It's called the Rams History Book. Yep. Exciting. And it's uh with myself, Nick Martin, and Tim Gottfried. Yeah, uh, recorded our first episode of the day. And it's basically three dudes talking about their fandom, the, the history of the Rams. Are, are like, and we went through we went through a litany of terrible yeah. Rams coaches and ended up with how we felt about Sean McVay. It was a good conversation. It's pretty short. It's about a half hour. Um, it's out there as well, starting to seep out to the other channels. So we will we will blast that on social media once I have it on all the appropriate sites. So yeah, stay tuned for another podcast. If you want to hear storytelling and and just relatable stuff that things that I'm sure you and your friends talk about. Can you say the um, name yeah. of that podcast again, Robbo? The Rams History Book. The History Book. I like it. Can like we it. also promise that the only Rams history that we'll talk about is 1990 to 1998 and 2005 to 2015? Just, just the worst period. Just the worst period. We actually period got into that because people. those two gentlemen, Tim, mm. Tim, Tim was born in 91, so he only has from the 90s on and – and then, you know, Nick in the mid eighties. And so I was, you know, as the old guy, I could kind of bring in the seventies stuff in the eighties. And it was, it was interesting talking about our, our shared experiences and how much older I am than those gentlemen. Very yeah, good. It was, it's awesome. good. It's good. Well, on this podcast, it's me and Robbo. And as always, Joy the Jerk at Ellie Rams, Rams, Rams. Hello, Jerky. Good afternoon, Jerkos. Jerkos? AKA Cat Dad. So hot. No, very good, man. Exciting to hear you as cat dad, but let's let's do it. Let's pivot to something serious for just a minute. Um the NBA uh canceled um starting with the Milwaukee Bucks and followed by the rest of the league. Uh canceled for a couple days postponed, I guess you could say. They're um playoff games and uh that rolled over into other sports with baseball with the brewers uh taking theirs off the schedule we saw some mls teams take a step back and obviously we saw some nfl teams cancel practice like the the colts the packers the bears the cardinals the jets and the los angeles chargers had their scrimmage ready to go at sofi they actually canceled it and spent quite a bit of time on nfl network talking about uh the issues of the day and how they'd like to see change manifested in the light of what's been going on in Kenosha, Wisconsin, and across the country. The Rams, however, did not uh, cancel their practice. 
Um, what do you guys think? It's it's we don't have the answers, obviously, to society. If you're if you're coming to Los Angeles Rams podcast, a Los Angeles Rams podcast, trying to figure out how to solve racism. Oh, buddy, you have ended up in the wrong place. But we can at least air out some thoughts as three people from different parts of the world of different ages and, and where we might be headed. Where do you think we're headed with this for the NFL and for the Rams? Would you either of you be surprised if we don't uh, see some games forfeited or or? Or boycotted? Maybe. Like, uh, we were yesterday with yeah, others, I, other teams? I, I wouldn't I be surprised. I would not be surprised at all. And it, it's that league, that would, the big thing would be is like, you know, Kaepernick. Sure. And how the outrage was taking a knee. Now we're, now we're boycotting games over this. Uh, is is someone like Jerry Jones ready for this? The guy who wants to go halfway on and, and dealing with racism? I don't, I don't know. I'm not sure that this league is ready. Uh, they seem to be behind three or five years behind uh, where they should be every step of the way, every step of the way. So I would not be surprised to see players kind of take it and look at you saw Bruce Arians, you know, protesting is great, but you know, you need action. Um, some coaches start to speak about it. So I'm not going to be surprised if they do something, but um, the NFL as a whole seems to just be woefully behind the curve. Here's a timeline to consider. Brianna Taylor was killed on March 13th. George Floyd was killed on May 25th, and Jacob Black was shot this week in late August. There's not going to be no more shootings like this in this country, and there's a good chance the next one is going to happen early during the NFL regular season. So we're nearing that point, and the next time something like this happens and the nation calls for change, it's going to happen during the NFL regular season, and that's how I could see something really affecting how the NFL comes to the the table with this rob yeah without a doubt what do you think joey i think that there's a transparency that is sort of troubling which is that the owners don't care about the players and they're trying to pretend to and especially with the commissioner of the nfl roger goodell what he said this week i just felt Mm -hmm. just felt really flat and four years too late and you got this lightning rod of 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 this area of minnesota and wisconsin and it's just i think gonna get bigger and bigger and bigger and i think the milwaukee bucks have a have a big opportunity to really kind of be at the forefront of this social movement and it's just like the civil rights movement you know with 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 guys like bill russell and you know it's interesting because you got guys like oj simpson who was like no i don't want to do that and then you you had other guys that's right. like, no, this is the moment. Like, this is what we have to do. So you, you it was very interesting. It just, it, you know, we don't we don't know where in the momentum we are, but we know that that yeah. big things are happening. And can the NFL get out of the way? And, and probably not. But sure, it's it's one of those things. You have you have two huge things right now, which you have the social justice movement that's happening and you have COVID-19, which are separate. They're different. You know, they both have their different ways that they could shut down the league and they could maybe yeah. work together to bring down the league to its knees. Sure. Or, I mean, I think, you know, a lot of people ask like, are we going to play football this year? Are we going to have NFL? And I'm starting to think more and more that we are going to have a full season because how much money's on the table and how much these guys really care about money, these owners. And to see that, sure, that sure. baseball looks like, you know, they're going to stumble their way to the finish line. And I think if I was, you know, 
if I was making the calls, but of course I don't have all the information that the the, the inner sanctum of the NFL has, but I would do more what the NBA is doing and not have them travel and I'll have them play like at the, at the same, in the right. same city and hotels bubbles, but they're not going to do that. I just think it's, I think it's stupid no. to travel to empty stadiums, but yeah, they're doing it. So it seems like they might get away with it too. The logistics are, are way different. I mean, you, you can set courts up side by side by side and play work. A football field, you need 100 yards. I, mean, I don't think, I don't think it's different. that big of a deal. I mean, think about Cal Lutheran. Like, I mean, they got two fields right next to each other. Like, you literally can't find a place that has like four or five football fields. I mean, that would be that hard. Well, that's the, the issue isn't the place when they're playing. It's when they're not, right? You, when, you get, when you get, it's not even all the NBA. They've only got about two-thirds of the team, the, the teams that were, you know, had a chance of making the postseason that mm-hmm. went to Orlando. And they stuck them all in two resorts at Disney World. The NHL bubbles split in between two cities and even there, you've got two hotels in Edmonton for the Western Conference. I think they've got the two hotels in Toronto for the Eastern Conference. If, if you're going to try to put all these NFL teams and all the staff, you're going to need a ton of space for all these employees and all the staff that takes to, to run a team, to manage a team. And if you've got all 32 teams going, as opposed to the NBA and even hockey, where they cut off a significant part of their league, that you know wasn't going to make the postseason. You can't do that in the NFL. The, the the point you made is is right, Joey. It's it's about money. We shouldn't lose sight of that. Um, that's the whole reason the Rams are in Los Angeles. It's a, you know no no surprise then that we're, we're talking about SoFi Stadium opening up. <laughs> the, the whole reason the Rams moved back to LA was so Stan Kroenke could build this place and make money off of it. it it's a symbol of how serious the money is as the top priority for why these leagues operate. You had um, uh, Rob Manfred, the commissioner of baseball. They asked him, what does success look like for the rest of the season? He said, you know, getting to the playoffs and handing over the trophy to a lucky owner, to which everybody said, wait a second, what? Why does the owner get the trophy? And, of course, you know, it was a bit of a Freudian slip. That's the point, right, that these owners are the ones who run the sport, and it's based on their bottom line. I think one thing we other sh- one other thing we shouldn't uh, lose sight of when we talk about all these things these sports and athletes are doing is they're not the ones responsible for change. As great as it is, Jalen Ramsey donated that million dollars to a school in Nashville. It, the Rams do all kinds of community projects. That's great. And it's cool to see them do charitable works, but they're not the ones responsible for fixing communities. They're not the ones who are supposed to be out there fixing these things as much as they're doing. I think we, we've seen, and I get it, a lot of it's shit posting and trolls, you know, just being jerks, but we, we shouldn't lose sight of the fact that we, sh- we shouldn't pressure athletes to be the people who fix this stuff, especially when they're getting their checks signed by somebody who hasn't made a peep since this started. Yeah. Without a doubt, that's I think that's the bottom line right there. You hear, you hear zip from what NFL owner has been out in front of this thing? Can you name one? What does Stan Kroenke said? Publicly? Yeah, uh, I hope my stadium's doing on time. I'm already six billion into it. Uh, yeah, I, that's that's I think I said Kroenke. I mean, the athletes are the ones who are in front of the mics, and they're the ones who who get shit on when they use their platform for social justice. Uh, you know, keep doing it, keep doing it because the owners are fucking silent just nothing crickets from ownership and then you've got goodell the mouthpiece you know trying to uh piece together uh some half-hearted attempt at sounding sincere it that's that's the bothersome part of that, that entire story and having that sincerity change right i mean joey mentioned it the sin- right. his whatever his sincerity was four years ago and whatever it is today might not be the same but the messaging sure as hell is different it feels like a lot of these billionaires and these sort of um quote unquote bad guys 
are saying the quiet parts out loud more and more. Sure. And it's sort of startling to see that. And Jerry Jones did that where he was like, we're yeah. going to think that we can maybe do the kneeling, mm, I don't know, during a commercial break or, uh, I don't know, in the locker room or in your car. Like It's kind of like, dude, read the fucking room. Yeah. Well, the thing is, he also mentioned the word compromise. Like, think about think about what you're saying. If I mm -hmm. if I'm a player, or if I'm an activist, or if I'm the moment, right? And I'm saying, here's what we're trying to get people to understand: is that Black lives matter as much as other people's lives. And he's saying, well, I can meet you halfway. Well, guess what? <laughs> that's that's mm -hmm. not enough. Half of a life is not an entire life. That is not how this right. is going to work. You're either right. going to have to meet us all of the way, or this is going to continue to be an issue. You can't half-ass this one, Jerry. You, you can't have Black Lives Matter when it, when it helps my pocketbook. Black Lives Matter on Sunday at 1 o'clock. Monday to Friday. At 4 o'clock, they, yeah. they continue to not matter. Um, pretty yeah. much. Uh, interesting times. Interesting times all around. Um, we'll see. Oh, one point I did want to make before we get off of this is you've you've also got, and it, it sucks that we have to start doing this more now. But you cannot separate sports from politics. We've talked about this for years. Sports is culture. All culture is political. When people used to say, and if people still do say to a degree, you know, keep politics out of sports. What they meant was keep those politics out of my sports. They don't care if those politics are in other sports. As long as those politics are in, you know, soccer or the NBA. Well, I don't watch those sports. But keep those politics out of my sports. You can't do that. You've also got a political moment here that's clearly getting a wedge driven between older Americans and younger Americans. And I think that's part of the difficulty for these leagues. Take the NFL. The average NFL viewer is 50 years old. The average athlete in the NFL is 26 years old. So if, you, if you're demanding as a viewer that 26-year-olds maintain the same political views on average as you, the average 50-year-old American, yeah, that's not going to work out well either. I've got a solution to that problem. More olds should watch terrible reality TV and become younger. <laughs> like Love Island, mandatory viewing for everyone. I'm leading the way. 52 and watching a 26-year-old love show. What if that's the solution to all our problems is Love <laughs> Island? Who knew? <laughs> Don't come to our Rams podcast to fix racism. Watch Love Island. It's, it's multicultural. I'm telling you. You know what won't solve everything? Hard Knocks. Wow. The least watched episode in the history of Hard Knocks. On pace to be the least watched season of Hard Knocks. Episode three. It was, a, it was an interesting episode where we got the Rams scrimmage. We got some Clay Johnston time. We had no uh, golf course. What do you guys think about episode three? I was a little bit negative on Clay Johnston last week. And this week, I feel I'm a little more uh, positive on the dude. I... Think it just he, he grew on me a little bit more, and I'm a little bit kind of surprised how few players they're really focusing on. But I understand that they also have to do charger guys, but yeah. um, it doesn't feel like they're really focusing that much on fringy chargers guys because they're spending a lot of time on um, the, the quarterback from the, the Broncos, and uh, I guess that's like the big guy they're really following. That I mean, they, they got the Chubster. Well, Anyways, Chris Harris. They, had a, they had a lot of Chris Harris and that's what I meant. But, but he's not up. Yeah, but but they're right, not right. fringy guys. No, those are key they're, stars. They're yeah, stars. Yeah. And so with with Clay Johnston, they're really scratching that itch of what people sure. like about the show, which is they're going to root for this dude. But he um he just doesn't. He, he seems a little bit like a kind of little kid. Like he just is like fudge. Ah, fudge. 
and I, I want to play my nuts off, which is fun. And he calls he calls Brett Favre, which is like a close friend of his dad's, uh, Papa Favre. And there's a picture of Brett Favre holding him as a baby. And his, his father was the strength and conditioning coach for the Green Bay Packers for a long time. And he was the best man at Favre's wedding. So great. But it felt like, why are we watching this? The conversation that Brett Favre was having with him just kind of felt like, hey, you just how's it going? Okay, cool. Like, you didn't learn anything. Sure, sure. It just felt like it was a famous person on the screen, but there was really no point to it. I thought, well, that, I think that was the point was to get Brett Favre on the screen, right? Because it's the least watched up show in the history mm-hmm. of Hard Knocks. And we need to get someone. People Save like us, it. Brett Favre. You know, I, I, what they did have the toothpick guy, yeah. Juju. Um, and I'm really waiting for that guy just to get that toothpaste stuck in his esophagus. Really again, again, <laughs> running around with it. That, that's what they're looking to, to save the, save us inanimate object. Yeah. It, it felt like a little, a little bit ho-hum. Like yeah. even the, the sizzle reel with Aaron Donald, phantom yeah. sacking golf. It, it, all it was, was McVeigh going, that's a sack, that's a sack, but you didn't see the sack. And I think that's almost the through line of this season of yeah. hard knocks is you're not actually seeing what you want to watch. It is a bit of a metaphor for the whole season. Yeah, no, you're right. I think the the other thing that's that's difficult is you you've got to especially with the Clay Johnson stuff. You've got to care about the culture of football, right? That the, take Clay Johnson and, and even Sean McVay or Van Jefferson, somebody who hasn't really been on the show. We know that there's part of the NFL culture that absolutely loves NFL culture. Think about Jeff Fisher, how much of his entire career was wrapped up in the idea that he's an NFL guy. He played in the NFL. He was raised by the NFL. He grew up as an NFL coach. Now you got Anthony Lynn and Sean McVay, and you got a guy like Clay Johnson who grew up in football with his dad, with guys like Brett Favre, where you've got uh, Van Jefferson raised by a football dad. You've got all this stuff that loves football. That's great inside the NFL bubble. I don't know that a lot of people outside care about that, I, especially when you're talking to younger people. If you're if you're saying, hey, love football for the culture of the NFL, I think there's a lot of people that are just like, yeah, I, that doesn't attract me. I mean, I get this. This is their 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 way. They do this show. Hello, Grace. They do some shows where a, a, a few segments on guys that you want to root for or whatever. But if you're failing yeah. And your ratings are tanking. Why don't you show the stars that people might know? Show me more Aaron Arnold. Show me yeah. more, uh, you know, uh, I guess Jared Goff, Cooper, Cooper Cup, or just people who have a little bit of a name on these two teams. Show me, show me sure. more. Uh, Aston Eckler is probably the the guy that gets shown on the Chargers the most. But you know, you got Bosa. They did a nice thing on, on Ingram. And I guess they did some of that with Kenan Allen this week as well. But Derwin James. James, who's a fantastic player, like, you know, start showing some of these these young studs who you might not know, but you know, actually will be around for a while. Uh, the Clay Johnson thing. Yeah, more young studs. Oh, so hot, <laughs> hot. Show me, it's show me hot. Cat, Dad. I think the other thing is that, and this is just the reality of 2020, is a lot of the time you'd be able to fill this in with B-roll of what these guys are doing with their lives, and right now there's not a lot Nothing going on. You got Joe Barry getting. Yeah. Joe Barry has more screen time than Cooper Cup. Are we ever going to see Les Snead? Is what is the deal? Why why does he not want to be on Hard Knocks? Did he say something that they're like, oh man, we can't trust this guy to be filmed? What's going on? Why is Lester Snead never presented? On He's this shopping for weirder reading glasses. <laughs> He's just trying to find the thickest, 
wings <sighs> to just make him look like he's doing nerd cosplay or something. Have you seen the see the, the picture his wife tweeted out a couple of days ago? He's like I did. Date night or something. Watching he's, watching, he's watching practice. Watching film, right? He's watching film from the day's practice in his office. And I, I said something to her about it. She got back to me. He's in this big, fuzzy, fluffy chair. And I'm like, hey, you know, nice chair, Les. And she's like, well, he brought this ugly one home from the office, and I tried to spice it up by, by giving him this. And she laughed about it. But it, it's like, it's this fuzzy. It's got this white hair everywhere. It's, it's very, it's very on par with his glasses. He's an interesting guy, and I love his lexicon. His syntax is so hilarious and very endearing. And I just wish he was part of the show more, especially when we're, when, when you're at a point and it's the least watch episode. It's like, come on, man. Clearly, clearly, you've got room to throw us a bone. Throw us one in the shape of Lester P, please, please. You, they threw us a bone with the uniforms and SoFi. It looks pretty nice. They look pretty nice. But can we talk about this conversation between Jared Goff and Cooper Cup in the locker room? Was Was it a conversation? Was it a conversation? It was the most boring conversation that like Jared Goff was the most interesting of the two, which is very sad. (laughs) But but Goff was like, I miss I miss uh, playing, you know, big stadiums. And then you couldn't yeah. they didn't even subtitle what cup was saying because the the guy doing the subtitles was like who gives a fuck but yeah it was something effects of like i like stadiums crowds good caveman football this big this big this big room yeah i i have hair are, are you saying that <laughs> cup will never be a spokesperson for dosakis as the i would be very surprised but um maybe you know um e harmony or something i don't know i think he'd be more like farmers only He's as good as he is on the field. He is woefully boring off it. I mean, but that's okay. I, I don't. I don't think it's a bad no, thing. He, it just sucks for hard knocks. He, yeah. Well, he, it's shit. It sucked. Uh, it sucked for Good Morning Football because he was on the, with them last week. Sure. And, uh, they had. To, oh, I, did, I didn't even know. Oh, that. God, they had to pull yeah. it out of him. It was like a tractor pull to get any kind of answer that was more than kids out of his mouth. Great on the field, uh, below average on the mic. It happens. Not everybody gets the full skill set. But uh, the, not everybody gets the John Johnson skill set where you got all the yeah. all the personality or and all the panache. That's okay. Dante Dion. No, not everyone could be Dante Dion with that laugh. Yeah. Is he going to get in the rotation? Is Dion going to be a guy that's actually going to get on the field often, or is he just going to be like on the fringy <laughs> practice squad thing? Define often. Okay, is he going to be on the practice squad, or is he going to make the fifty-three man roster? I could see him making the fifty-three, but you got to keep a decent number of cornerbacks. So I could I could see him making the fifty three. He won't be a starter, but just like we saw with Troy Hill and you know Darius Williams and some other guys, injuries happen. That's why you got to keep some depth there. I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised if he's in the depth rotation on the fifty three man roster and gets some football, gets some snaps. I think the question mm-hmm. the answer to that question is how willing of a special teamer is he? Because that's where they'll need him. If he's yeah, fifty three, that's part of it. Willing to get after it. David Long is like going to make his his living playing special teams. The other thing I was going to say is it, it, it's a combination of role and competition, right? So what what role do they envision for him in this depth chart? Is he going to be relegated to the slot? Is he playing outside as a bit of an undersized guy? And if he is, who's he really competing against for a spot? Is he competing against David Long? Is he competing against Darius Williams or Adonis Alexander? I don't know. That's one. Of, that's one of those things where if we had public training camp and you had more reporting, maybe we'd get a better sense of that. Especially if we had a preseason. But without that stuff, I don't know. I don't know where he's at. I, I wouldn't be surprised though if he makes the roster. Is there a situation where 
every NFL team is just worse this year. So it's not like maybe you're going to notice it that much because everybody is going to be bad just for the sake of without the preseason, with, right. without the practice, with, with normal practice that you're just going to see a lot like sloppier football and, 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 and it might show itself in different ways. Like maybe the offenses will, will, will be more proficient sure. because the timing's off with with the defenses. I mean, you see that a lot in baseball sometimes, yep. you know, where, where you just have some seasons where there's a lot of home runs and the pitching's off and then they got fix it. It's they can calibrate it a little bit more, but with the NFL this year it just seems like this this off season has to play a role in the regular season and we don't know how it's going to be, but I, I think it might result in a just sloppier football. Wouldn't be surprised at all. You saw McVay the other day getting really upset at the offense. What did he? What was the word he used? Do you guys remember he was talking about? I think they, that they panicked or something like that. I believe that. Oh, I'll go back uh, and find it. I think that was the word. Yeah, yeah. But but that kind of thing where you would have had OTAs, mini camp, training camp, preseason to simulate actual gameplay, and you're pretty much down to just mm-hmm. training camp, and it's a training camp. You know, without three days of practice in a row, you got to shut down every couple of days. And so I wouldn't be surprised at all if that's the case. I also wouldn't be surprised if injuries have a part to play in that, right? Now, we've been pretty lucky where we're only looking at what Daryl Henderson and Taylor Rapp. And uh, I guess you could count it as an injury. A. Sean Robinson, right, with his uh, uh, cardiovascular condition, whatever that is, being held out for X amount of time. But uh, the Rams have been pretty lucky, as they usually are when it comes to injuries. Big news across the league that the Eagles lost their second starting offensive lineman, Andre Dillard, starting left tackle, bicep injury, and he's out for the season. Um, San Fran has been hit hard. There's a couple other teams around the league that are dealing with quite a bit of injuries. And so I wouldn't be surprised because you didn't get OTAs, because you don't have a full, let's say, normal training camp, if some of the health issues, just like the football, contribute to, to a step back for these teams where you've got some guys dealing with some soft tissue injuries, the nagging kind of injuries that maybe a normal season, that normal kind of circadian rhythm helps establish some consistent health that maybe because you don't have that and you're trying to figure out how to adjust to the era of coronavirus, if maybe injuries have something to play there as well. Can, 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 we, can we talk about the depth at running back with the sort of sure. tissue injury or whatever you want to call it with Daryl Henderson Jr. Because my question is, does this open up an opportunity for our good boy, if you've listened to the podcast last season, or maybe it was the season previous, but uh, whisper it with me, Robbo. One, two, three. John Kelly. He's still there. He's still on the roster. He's got a shot. And, and on Hard Knocks, they show him in this. They never say his name, but 42, he's running around there, right? That's him. Well, I would say... Uh... You know, McVay has talked about the Henderson injury that he's supposed to be back before the regular season, and we know how forthright Sean has been about running back. That's what I, I need to pull the, so, the needle scratching okay. on the turntable. <laughs> There's always a shot, right? There's always a shot. I what's the, what's the depth chart look like now? Acres. Yep. Brown. Henderson, John Kelly, and uh, Xavier Jones mm-hmm. is at the back. They're going to carry right. So okay. Xavier Jones could probably get At'd put on the go. practice squad or get cut. Right. Right. Yeah. Think they carry four? Or John Kelly could get put on the practice squad or get cut. I think so. I think he's got one more year of eligibility. What is his deal? Why do they not want him to get significant 
touches. What's or touches? Well, you've got more talented guys that they've invested in, right? They spent a third round pick on Daryl Henderson. They've now spent a second round pick on Cam Akers. They've put some money behind Malcolm Brown, and he's got a good track record of being able to play an actual, you know, regular season game snaps. So I, I, I still like John Kelly. I think he's a talented kid, but you've got some guys that have a little bit more talent. And in the case of Malcolm Brown, have a real resume that you can lean into. Um, but as always, and this was the case, uh, you know, a couple of years ago when Brown got hurt and then Todd Gurley got hurt. If you get injuries and, you know, maybe, maybe Henderson's leg is, uh, you know, not ready for week one or week two. And if one of these other guys gets hurt early on, you may get an opportunity for John Kelly to get on the field as a running back and not just for special teams. Yeah, I hope so. I mean, it'll be really interesting to see what Cam Akers is when week one starts. I mean, people ask like, what are you looking forward to? And I would usually say, I want to see Jared Goff run this offense, but I really want to see who they start in that first quarter. Sure. I'm just going to be just paying attention to the sidelines. See who's, who has a helmet, who has yeah. a hat on, who's, who's, who's the third down, who, who's doing pass protection because we don't know. We won't know yeah. until week one is how much of a role is Malcolm Brown going to yeah. play. And it seems like, probably significantly until they get the training wheels off of Cam Akers. Yep. Bear in mind, bear in mind how little Daryl Henderson played. So it's clear that McVay doesn't necessarily feel motivated to play young backs, but without Todd Gurley now, there's no excuse why we can't establish the run with more sincerity than we did last year. Right. And so I think that's the key is whoever it is, you're going to have to run the ball more than we did the first X weeks of the season. Yeah, that's going to be interesting. I think the other thing is any of these kind of hidden injuries, right? There were rumors about Daryl Henderson nursing an injury throughout last year. I don't know if you guys saw the news. I, I had missed it until this week. Greg Zerline was apparently injured last year. That that never got disclosed. But Was he in the injury report? He was not. Not until I think week 16. But uh, what? yeah, John Fossil said that Greg Zerline had a groin injury for about a month and a half, six to eight weeks that he was playing through. Last year. Remember that uh, Andrew Whitworth had ankle surgery mm-hmm. after the season was over. He obviously wasn't on the injury report. So when, when we talk about these guys, these guys like Dante Dion and uh, Daryl Henderson and, and, or John Kelly, a lot of times it doesn't have to be the big injury that can hold guys back. It could be something smaller that gets opportunity for guys like a Troy Reader. Nobody saw Troy Reader getting as many snaps as he did last year as a undrafted rookie or you know, the way that we went through Dominique Easley to Samson Abukam to Matt Longacre and then trading for Dante Fowler two years ago. A lot of times, you you know, the, the, the long winding path of the NFL season isn't anything like what people were predicting in August. So wouldn't be surprised to see some of those guys get on the field, but it probably means some injuries. Uh, it's a similar case for the offensive line. You know, we, we went through Joseph Noteboom in week six. Austin Blythe, remember, got injured early on. That's what had Jameel Demby starting some of those early games. And because of the way he played, they kind of pivoted and said, okay, Jameel's no longer the sixth man. It's going to be David Edwards. And he came in when Noteboom got hurt. And then you get to week 10, Brian Allen, Rob Havenstein goes down and uh, you plug in uh, Corbett and uh, Bobby Evans over on the right. And so it looks like they're going to go to uh, Joseph Noteboom and Blythe on the left guard center side with uh, uh Rob Havenstein coming back into the starting uh, rotation at right tackle. What do you guys think about this? Are we worried about Joseph Noteboom, given how he played those first six weeks, 
compared to Havenstein and Whitworth, similar had issues the first month and a half, but their resumes for NFL experience is much longer with much greater success. What do you guys think? Earlier in the in the pod, you mentioned we we talked about you know they they showed SoFi and the phantom sacks of Aaron Donald. Yeah. The little they did show, they showed Aaron Donald whooping both of those guys' sure. ass repeatedly. So I think the the one thing we should be thankful of thankful for is that you know Joe Nopum will not be facing anyone of Aaron Donald's caliber, yes. caliber because we he can't do it. He was just getting tanked. It happens. Um, yeah, that's that's the bummer of no preseason games for these guys because as much as McVay doesn't want to play his starters and he probably wouldn't do it, they can use the reps. Those guys, I think, out of every position group on a football team. The one who's going to suffer the most across the NFL will be the offensive line for not having a preseason yeah. uh, and not having training camps and not having uh, you know, OTAs and whatever. They need you need continuity and you need, you. I'm not sure you can get that in a Zoom call. Sure. You just need time together. And so uh, I think the team that really comes out of the gate and plays you know well is going to be the one who has an offensive line who's been together for a long time who you know doesn't can rely on that muscle memory and have that cohesion right out the gate. Or at least plays like Rams it, yeah. Have, yeah, Rams don't have that. So Aaron Cromer, you better do the coaching job of your life, my friend, because that, that group really needs uh, to, to come together and play quickly. And here, here's what I worry, and this is, Joey, for you as the Jared Goff stand of the pod is – how, how much part of what we dealt with last year, whether it was Todd Gurley or Jared Goff or even the offense of the whole, is that the offensive line ended up becoming the scapegoat as an excuse for everybody. Where, you know, when Jared Goff was struggling, a lot of fans would say, well, how's he supposed to succeed with this offensive line? And when Gurley wasn't getting the ball, uh, how's he supposed to run with this offensive line? How, how much does, let's say, Jared Goff, because obviously with Cam Akers and Daryl Henderson, they don't have the experience to kind of uh, assume that responsibility where Jared Goff clearly does. How, how much does he deserve the responsibility to play in spite of the offensive line if they're not playing well, right? Where, where, where in year five, it, he, he's got to be able to take over things. And even if the offensive line isn't playing great and he can't take, you know, seven step drops and, and run a lot of the deeper passing routes, should the offense be able to be functional even in spite of a, a, a less than stellar offensive line because you've got a Jared Goff? Does he need to step up to that degree? I don't even know what he has to do. It's more mm-hmm. of what he's capable of doing mm-hmm. because they're going to give him the same sort of responsibilities that he had last year. I don't think that they're going to have him be calling his own plays and making audibles on his own without having his hand held by McVeigh. I think that's still going to be a thing. Of course. So it's really just going to be how effective is Goff going to be with whatever is going to happen with the O-line and not having Todd Gurley. Is that going to be – I mean, there could very well be a Ewing theory thing going on with sure. Todd Gurley, which is the offense is going to um, improve drastically – or not drastically, but just significantly when he's- without just the presence of yeah. Todd Gurley. Yeah. N- n- not saying – I know that sounds like that could be stupid because you're like, oh, such a talented guy. Yeah, it's a Ewing theory. That's the way it works. Yeah, and and there, there's just – there was a um, there's a fog hanging over – his presence and right. you know there's a reason why we call him surly girly not because it rhymed but because it was true and having guys with less um contract ego there could, could make the running game com- completely different who knows what that's going to be but when it comes to just the chemistry of what that o-line is i kind of i'm very concerned about joseph sure. no boom sure i i feel like anytime we've gone okay cool he's playing he's awesome he's not been awesome 
And it's not Greg Robinson because Greg Robinson sure. I felt like was more like a penalty magnet. Sure. And that sucked because even though he wasn't very good at being a left tackle, he also wasn't very good at limiting his penalties. And I think Nopum also has a problem with injuries. So he needs to, A, just play clean football and just do his job, which we are a little bit um, thinking that's unproven right now. And then B, he has to stay healthy. So if he can't do either of those, then you plug in somebody. Austin Corbett. Sure. Somebody, you figured out. Right? I think that- okay. And then, or, or, or Bobby Evans yeah. or Edwards. I mean, it, it, it doesn't feel like there's, there's going to be a guy coming through those locker doors is going to be the answer. Yeah. Until the next next right. season, and I think so. This is, this is yeah, it's tough. And, and I think the other thing that's going to make it tough is the schedule before the bye. You've got Dallas, Philadelphia, Buffalo, Washington, who now has a much improved front seven, San Francisco, and Chicago, all before the bye. The only two that I, I might suggest are I won't say easier, but have a front seven that doesn't threaten as much as those would be the Giants and Miami. Otherwise, you got six games where you're going to be facing some some impressive talent up front, and it's going to be a challenge for the offensive line out of the gate. Whereas last year, you know, they kind of muddled through some of the early games, Carolina, Cleveland, and then, you know, Tampa Bay, and then got to those games right before the bye with Atlanta and Cincinnati, where you had a little bit easier run for the offensive line and they struggled nonetheless. So it's it's definitely going to be front and center, and I don't think anybody needs to be told that as much as uh, people have talked about the offensive line going into last year and then clearly how much it's been a topic of concern coming out of it. Um, one thing that's interesting as we get ready to wrap this up is the continuing news at the minor league level of the NFL. In our college football world, we had the AP Top 25 get released this week. Uh, I don't know how sincere this is because it's uh, including all the teams, including the ones who are, you know, from the Big Ten and the Pac-12 that won't be playing a season. So you had Ohio State at two, you had Oregon at nine, um, but they're not going to include them moving forward. So this is kind of a one-time deal to have the Big Ten and, and Pac-12 teams in there, Ohio State at two, Oregon at nine, Penn State at seven, uh, Wisconsin at 12, Michigan at 16, USC at 17, Minnesota at 19, Utah at 22. And then Iowa and Iowa State, twenty three and twenty four. Where was where was UCLA? Oh, sorry. You do it to yourself sometimes. <laughs> um, the rest of the top twenty five: ACC, uh, Big Twelve, and AAC, as well as uh, uh, UCF coming in at twenty first, and Cincinnati, excuse me, at twentieth. Um, so it's an interesting look at how we're starting things, but uh, we continue to see games get pushed off. Uh, UL Monroe at Troy that was going to be uh, next week on September fifth. That got postponed. Marshall at ECU, East Carolina, that got postponed the next week. Uh, the season is supposed to start next weekend with a couple games on the docket. Um, we'll see if we can get there. If we can get to next weekend and get some college football, I don't know. Uh, uh, this comes, you know, uh, not too long after Oklahoma uh, had a, a breakout on their team. They had a position group that uh, Lincoln Riley didn't identify, but he said the entire group, save for a single player, had gotten positive. They had 17 active cases. That was as of Monday. USC reported eight positive cases combined between their football and water polo team, which I don't, why are they doing that? Why is that a weird shape? Why don't you just tell us how many are on the football team? Is anybody out here watching the USC water polo team for anything besides an admissions racket? Come on, USC. Quit being (laughs) weird. We've got, we've got 12 injuries between our football and water polo teams. What? What? How does that look? Weird. 
<laughs> yeah, like eleven of the injuries are, are like soft tissue, whatever, and because of you know, something on the field. And the one water polo injury was like a yeah. bro slip at a party and you know hit his head. Can you imagine like uh, in all? I mean, I get it. It's Corona. This is new, and they're trying to get away with whatever they can. But can you imagine like a college coming out? We've got one ACL tear between our football team and our rowing team. Thank you. That that's all we're going to comment on the matter this week. So hot. <laughs> <laughs>